Today I'm talking to Raymond Baldick, most recently presented the award for innovative marketing in real estate by the Miami Beach Chamber of Commerce. Raymond uses approaches to luxury property marketing, including my personal favorite, his mega yacht property tours. He's a founding realtor of One Sotheby's International Realty, specializing in ultra-luxury waterfront residences and penthouses in Miami and the beaches. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast is to share knowledge for realtors and raise awareness for Give Back Homes, where real estate professionals work together for social good. Jet Centers Aviation, Bentley Atlanta, Legends Global, thank you for your sponsorship. Today we've got Raymond Balduck, who is in Miami, Florida, with One Sotheby's Realty. Raymond is one of the founding realtors of One Sotheby's International Realty. He's a specialist in ultra-luxury waterfront residences and penthouses in Miami and the beaches. He's a member of the prestigious Master Brokers Forum. He takes emotional equity in his properties, and I love that about you, Raymond, and in the representation of all of your clients. So, one more thing. There's so much I could talk about you, but one more thing. I this really I didn't know this until we started talking a week ago. But it's something as far as your way of doing business. You have the 2015 Award for Innovative Marketing in Real Estate from the Miami Chamber of Commerce. Um, which is just no surprise at all. But that, that tells us just a little bit about you. Fill in the blanks there about yourself and who you are and um, what everybody, what we want to know about you as a real estate agent and a little about your personal life. Sure. The, uh, the award that you speak of is interesting because it takes me back to the beginnings of my real estate career. I, I, I tend to differentiate myself uh, with being kind of... Uh, an event-focused uh, marketer. So I've always done, um, tried to do on, on a quarterly basis uh, some type of a, of a major social event with uh, sponsors that uh, uh, are uh, benefit-type sponsors mm-hmm. that uh, involved. And the one that I won that award for was uh, for the uh, global meeting of Sotheby's. And, um, and I remember that. In Miami. Yep, that's where we met. Yep. Right, right. And that one was special because uh, we, we received the challenge from one of our companies saying that uh, 2,000 agents would be here from 50 countries. And uh, they challenged us to do something that would attract, that would invite and welcome these uh, 2,000 agents. It had nothing to do with the, um, with the business of the meeting. And so what we did is we raised, uh, I put together a team of six people. We raised $100,000. Uh, we incorporated and we um, got 25 sponsors. And we ended up having uh, four mega yachts and uh, food and beverages and entertainment for four days, two days before and two days at the end of the uh, event. And it turned out that our objective was to have um face-to-face conversations with 500 people for a half hour. And 
that was ended up being simple task at the end because wow. uh, everyone everyone was having champagne on the yacht. So it, uh, people, wow, uh, it altered how people communicate. Well, and you had photographers there, and it also you were able to use that event to the event. It sounds like the purpose was to entertain real estate agents coming into Miami. But you actually used that event um, and used your listing, one of your condo listings on the water to generate um, interest and get agents through that listing and used it as part of the event, which was genius. Thank you. Also so, got, uh, I, also, I also, as a result of that, I met you and I uh, also got a referral from, uh, from another agent in the Atlanta office and I'm still dealing with those clients uh, in their third transaction. <laughs> oh, that's spectacular. So, so you never know. Some, exactly. Uh, the event, the events driven gives you a broader uh, reach. It really does. A lot of other, yeah. It really does. So tell me this. I want to tap into really who you are and how you got into this business and then we're going to have another interview that taps into these events and what you do and how you know, so many agents want, you know, our job is to network and lead generate and close leads and bring business. And that's such a great part of doing it. But tell us a little bit about, you've got such an extensive background in being so strategic and so outside of the box. At what point did you decide to, you know, I know you've been a real estate agent for about, I think, is it 20 years? Yes. And what was it? What was, what, what was that moment in time when you knew, um, you were going to be a real estate agent. Did you make the decision? Did you fall into it? How did that transpire? Well, uh, when I got my master's degree in business from Northeastern University of Boston, I, I wrote my, my master's thesis on urban, re, urban redevelopment and as a, as a real estate project. Uh, and it's, it's always been in the back of my mind uh, throughout my career. I did multiple things prior to being a broker. And when uh, when I moved to Miami um, uh, about 20 years ago, um, I was here. I was here for a uh, a major company uh, in unrelated business, American Express, and the division was closed after I uh, after I, a year after I got here, uh, and uh, moved it to another location. So um, at that point. Um, I was invited uh, by uh, a leading realtor to manage his business with him for him, and that and he was a Sotheby's. He was at Sotheby's, and that became my introduction to uh, to going back and to going to brokerage, and uh, that that was a great way to start because he was an innovator. Also, did out of the box things. Mm-hmm. So, when you so, so did you come into so you say a broker? You mean a broker is in you? Do you ran an office or you a broker is in you started out as an agent doing real estate deals and and managing obviously this guy's team. I was actually I was actually managing him. He was like the top producer. Right. That's so great. That's a first place. And how many years did so you do that? The opportunity to have like a bird's eye view. Of how things worked. He was the, one of the first people to break the, the five million and ten million dollar uh, ranges, you know, fifteen twenty years ago. Wow! And this is in price points in Miami. That was then, right? Exactly. But this was you're talking about sales prices in Miami, Florida. He was the first to break those yeah. price points. Yeah. Right. That's fantastic. What was the biggest thing you learned from him working with him before you stepped out and did it on your own? I'll take risks regularly. <laughs> That's reassuring. Yeah, always, always ask for the order. Uh, yeah, uh, 
I had personal experience doing that uh, in my early days and um, getting up the strength to uh, approach a cold call on houses was something I thought was uh, uh, critical to my uh, success in that way. One of the first ones was I, I was just getting to know a neighborhood and I went, uh, I, I found this house that I just was totally amazed by the architecture of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I had no knowledge of anything about it because I was out just scouting. So I decided to walk up and knock on the door. I knocked on the door. The owner actually came to the door. I said that I thought that the, uh, the home was, uh, I fell in love with the home from the outside. And I would really like the opportunity to sell it if, if he was there and became an option and said, well, it actually is an option, but uh, my wife is going to be the, uh, uh, the broker. And I said, well, that doesn't bother me either. I'd still like to play a role in it. Mm-hmm. What happened is it turned out that uh, I ended up having a listing and selling the house uh, six months later. And, and and it goes back to the thing that you were uh, repeating from my bio about uh, I take emotional equity in, in my properties. And that I kind of uh, treat it like it's mine. And, uh, Which is so important. From the beginning, and, and, it, and it, it kind of resonates, and it resonates with sellers and buyers as well. So, it really does. Well, it's, yeah, I think our industry. is, I take emotional equity in Well, I love that, and it's so true. I think in our business, it's easy to get caught up in the number of transactions and volume, and we get ranked, and there's a lot of focus on how much we sell to keep us, and I, I always look at it as an inspiration, but it, it, commonly becomes a competition and and it's easy to forget as real estate agents that our clients are people and not only are you know in that we're not just selling houses we're not just doing deals we're selling their home that's the most important mine is you know i always talk about your home it truly is the foundation and the heart of where everything starts and if we can remember that in representing our clients it makes the biggest difference. It's a common theme that real estate agents get frustrated that their clients don't understand. You've got to first seek to understand before you've got to first right. seek to understand them before we can expect them to understand us. So that's huge. And, and go ahead. And bridging that and bridging that gap of understanding people, that's again where events have been very helpful to me. Um, two years ago for that award that I won, um, a PR person came to me and said we were looking for sponsors for a new restaurant that sold. I really didn't have the funds to be the sponsor, but I said, let me let me check this out. So I went and found the bank that would be a sponsor, and I came back and said, okay, I, I will, along with this bank, I will sponsor the opening. And it turned out there were 2,000 people at the opening. Uh, oh, that's brilliant. And the contribution that I brought was so well received. The owner of the restaurant says, when I sell my house, I'm going to call you. And I, I just sold this house uh, six months ago to Floyd Mayweather. Uh, on, it was a brand new house that he was building. But who would have known, you know? It mm-hmm. was it was, uh, it was getting to know people, and I had the access to uh, a resource, which was a financial institution that became a sponsor. So, you know, sometimes you have to be creative outside the box. And there was nothing known that was going to occur from this except that I was uh, was able to do it. And so sometimes being out of the box is, is goes back to taking some risks. And I think that's what most people get really comfortable when they stop taking risks. Exactly. Well, it's so comforting to me to hear to always take risks because I find myself tending to do that. And I'm just glad to hear it's a good thing. Um, 
And, you know, something I'd love to ask you in this business, every there's a very assumed, I think everyone comes into this, or most people, you're very strategic, so you may not have been the same, but most people come into this business assuming that it's signs in the yard, your friends hire you, you know lots of people, and you're just going to get your license and talk to people and sell houses. And the big aha for everybody is you get in the business, and that's just not it. I mean, you and yourself and the way you do business is a big aha. But my question for you is, even as big a thinker as you are, I would love to know for you from 25 years ago, getting into the business through the years now, what has been one of your biggest ahas and biggest discoveries about our business and about being a realtor or a broker? Um, the number one aha is the basics matter. Um, I wasn't sure how to approach the luxury market in Miami Beach. It was, it's always been hot. It's always been uh, highly priced. So as a new person in business, it's hard to imagine, uh, you know, the multi-million dollar homes, uh, having control of those. So what I did was, for my first year, I think I volunteered to do, in the first two years, I think I volunteered to do 200 uh, open houses. And I was That might be a record. Well, I don't know. It's 52, there's 52 weeks in a year. That was four a year. Four a week. Four open houses a week. Right. And, and the, the bottom, the, the conclusion of it was um, I, I, was, I became a broker's broker uh, and became known as I was associated, you're, you're associated with the houses represent. So I was careful about the houses that I offered to do open houses at. And they happen to be the higher priced one. So uh, the aha part of it came later when people kind of considered me to be a top producing person because I had been uh, in these open houses uh, in, for two years. And, and, it, and it, it, it basically became supporting, uh, a support for my ability to actually get those listings for myself. And now I get those listings. You know, by referral. So right. It was a, it's it was the, a breakthrough for me. It's, uh, yeah, it was what hard I hard work. It was hard work. Some of these were yeah. some of these were empty lots on the water, and, uh, so it wasn't empty. You know, so you were holding empty lots on the water, houses. open for open houses. Right. That's great. So what? So so this so because anybody not in the business and even in the business might imagine you standing out in the middle of a piece of blank land, standing there waiting right. for people to drive by. With my car and my with my car and my son. I love it, and that's what you did. Another aha moment is it only takes one. If you're there for three hours and only one person comes by and it's the right person, uh, it, it's not about fifty. It's about the one that uh, gives you a referral, uh, knows you for the next time, uh, and so all that occurs just by doing the basics. Mm-hmm. It, well, in our business, there, there, there are so many transactions a year, and it, the, the, the market share that we need isn't that big. Everybody thinks this is such a competitive business, and not that it isn't. But if you can just hone in and realize it's just, one, it's just a few, you don't need the world to love you, you just need the few, and you get your few really strong supporters, and it's so much more valuable than you know a thousand people following you on Twitter. So, in, in who those followers are is important. You can buy a thousand. You can buy a thousand people. You can buy a thousand names, but you can't buy a relationship. 
price. And when you add up the, uh, the, the sales price of the houses in the luxury market, you don't have to sell too many houses to have a very successful year. So what exactly. you have to make sure that they're all that they're all good experiences for everyone involved. And so that goes back to basics again. You just have to overproduce, you know, overproduce as much as you can you know, on exactly. those that you have, because you're only competing for those five to ten deals that are significant uh, for you, not the thousands or hundreds of deals that are out there. And that's the big difference between, we talk about there's luxury real estate and then there's the the average price point in Atlanta, for example, depending on the market, ranges anywhere from $140,000 to $240,000. And in that price point, to you know, they're an agent with that average price point, you're really looking at more of systems and assembly line marketing. And then you tap into the high-end market and it's just, you're dealing with a lot less people, but you have to have a much stronger knowledge of the market and even ability to deal with people and understand they're coming in with a whole new set of expectations on what is going to be delivered to them as opposed to what somebody else is. And in that, I'd love to ask you, you're so, when I met you, we were in Miami, Florida, and we were at an event that the event that you won the award for, I was on a yacht and you gave, you gave Neil Harry and I, who was actually where, I think that's where you got your referral from, but we, you gave us a ride to the con. Yeah. And you gave us a ride um, to your listing, to, right, to the condo listing. And it was just an amazing experience, even though there were hundreds of people there. I felt special, one person being there. What is your, what, what are some examples of how you make sure you give, in addition to your events, you give your clients that experience so that you're delivering what they ne- what they need before they know they need it, what they ex- the same way you have one set of expectations walking into a Motel Six and another set walking into a Ritz Carlton. In that particular case, in with most events, it's 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 the memor- well, memorability of, of the event. Mm-hmm. The first thing is separated from uh, any other event, and in that in that particular one, we had uh, you know yacht tours of uh, of mansions, and the, the thing that makes it interesting is, guess what? The architects designed those house homes to be seen from the water, <laughs> from the street. You can't even see most of the homes from the it, water, which was a, which was amazing. So that was things that. Those are, those are memories that people have of that of those boat rides. To be able to see it whenever, yeah. Of other other experiences, you know, they, they were out there for an hour and they saw fifty uh, fifty mansions, and uh, so uh, creating the memory. You got you got to you got to feed the dream. Create the memory. Create experience. People remember experiences. They don't remember. It's not the th- if when people look back, they talk. They think about not the things they had so much as the experiences that they had. And you're giving the people those experiences. And what do you for, what do you do for your clients to give them those experiences? Do you do it through the events, or what do you do when you're working with them one on one, going through the process? As, as uh, well, I, I brand myself along with the, with the property. So mm-hmm. my my property marketing is generally begins with uh, a drone video. Now that they're now that we have them, uh, and uh, the quality of the of the materials uh, to start with becomes the basics, and then the relationship you have to create relationships with 
with people in the luxury market mm-hmm. uh, that are really strong uh, because there's so much competition regardless of whether people are not supposed to be competing when it's listed it, it does happen so you always have to be prepared uh, and to be known by the client as as the right person because there's uh, so much competition because the prices are so high in the market it's so the true sale for our Sotheby's is, uh, is 1.5 million it's the average agent sale in one Sotheby's so we're the market leaders in terms of uh, general uh, so the competition is just really fierce exactly exactly so I would love to know you've had first what is your what are you I don't know if I, which one which way I want to ask it so I'll ask it both ways tell us one or both what are you most proud of as being a broker and what is your greatest success as a broker or if those are those may be one and the same it's kind of the same thing um, I had the opportunity to uh, represent a house uh, that ended up being the highest sale in 2008 um, uh, in Miami. It was, uh, back then it was $20 million, now it's $60 million. <laughs> wow. At that point, it was, uh, it, it was, a, it was in a, at a time when the market was not strong. It was a very weak market. Yeah, 2008 so was a painful dollars, year for most of us. Mm-hmm. What happened was it, was it took a long time to sell it. So it took a lot of patience and a lot of uh, financial funds to to support it. Uh, with, uh, in fact, that was where one of my other big uh, events, which was a um, uh, a Gatsby event for 500 people at this mansion. And uh, I didn't, the, the actual sale was not related to that event, but but it was the, it, it allowed me during the town of time, it was difficult uh, to close things. It allowed me to expose myself to 500 buyers mm-hmm. in, a, in a very sophisticated black tie affair. So, so it it had it had other ramifications in the market um, uh, when I did it. So well, and that, your that point. Was probably my and when you do something like that, you know, I think it's it, you tell me what you think about this because you've got a lot more experience than I do. But I've done a, I've done a few, and I've been inspired by what you've done. Is is that even if the buyer doesn't walk through the door at the event, which, by the way, like you said, it just takes one, that event is branding the property. That event is getting people through the door who know other people who would potentially buy it and creating a buzz and an excitement around the property to motivate the buyers looking at it to buy it. On that specific property, how long did it take to sell? Three and a half years. And what were the conversations and the emotions that you dealt with with those sellers as you went through the process? And how did you keep them? What were the things you learned about um, understanding your client and helping them, you know, understand that it takes a while and being patient? Because as real estate agents, we often, as we all know, a house goes on the market. Everybody's excited. It's going to sell next week. And two years later, in the multimillion-dollar market, it's still on the market. We had a, you know, it, it's still for sale. We had a property that just sold in Swanee, which is the suburbs of Atlanta, full price, eight point eight million, but it did take five, five and a half years to sell. So, what is, what is, what is part of? How do you handle that? And what is your interaction with the clients to keep the faith, help them understand, and keep patience in the midst in the midst of going through that process? First and foremost is to get as much help as you can. From and support and and Sotheby's has just has that, mm-hmm. especially one thing. Um, the uh, 
accessing accessing the global network of Sotheby's was something that happened. We got we made sure that we were forcing every issue, getting it in front of eyes in other markets, theater markets like Atlanta, uh, New York, Chicago, uh, and South America. So we actually did more marketing, even though it was a slow market. And, uh, and it turns out that a, a Russian bought it, and um, uh, and it was it, it had been seen it had been seen on the internet and the uh, World Wide Web. Mm-hmm. That's where the buyer came from. So uh, so it, it forced it forced us as a team, uh, myself and Sotheby's, I got Sotheby's to be involved uh, and to to get additional resources and use the full. Uh, depth of, of the resources of the company as well. Mm-hmm. And what were the it conversations with this? Yeah. Market. And yeah, I think in that market, the seller probably understood the market they were in, but were there conversations that you had with the seller? Because it's certainly an emotional process for them to go through, as we all know as well. Yeah, it was the builder, so it was a new, it was a new bench. Wow, a twenty million dollar spec on the water mm-hmm. and two hundred feet of water. So he built it. So he, he already had, you know, he had spent three years building it. So for him, this was a long process. So staying close to the client was the key there. Exactly. Um, Stay close. Staying close to the client is so important. And remembering that they are just another transaction to put on our resume, but there are people that were helping and need us and look out to us. And it, you know, it makes me think of experiences I've had every time I'm somebody's client. It reminds me of this is that when I'm a client and if I have frustrations or I'm going through things, I'm reaching out to the person I hired to help me and to be my, to be a mentor to me, not to be defensive. And I think as real estate agents, a lot of real estate agents get tend to get defensive, and that's the last thing our clients are looking for. They're not hiring us to be defensive when we get worried. They're hiring us to give us that assurance and market knowledge and expectation of what's going to happen and where we're going and what are not what are our problems, but what are our solutions. And you clearly have more than most real estate agents have. And uh, by the way, not to be a course, yeah, but the event the event that I held for that property was halfway through the thing so it was it had an impact on the on, on the sellers I mean I mean the fact that I pulled this together with you know I had 50 people involved and 10 sponsors and I mean it was beyond normal so uh, it sometimes it would seem that was the worst time to do that but it turned out to be the best time to do it because I needed to support uh, the marketing for them that's incredible yeah. Keep the listing. That was a long listing. So I would love to know what, other than maybe that $20 million listing, um, what in the in business has been a challenge that you've gone through, possibly even a mistake you've made or something you've done? And what did you get from that? Because as we all know, we get more, from, we learn more from our failures than we do our successes. Is there an example you want to give uh, give us of that that you have gone through and you came out on the other side of that um, so much stronger? And what was the outcome? That twenty million dollars sale is a big one already. That's a that's an incredible challenge that you went through and you came in out of the end of that is with a record sale. Yeah, that's that's the one that was the. It was looking like it wasn't going to happen, so 
in the end, we had three people negotiating on it. It came a, a normal sale, but uh, getting there was patience was the whole thing. And doing everything possibly that I could do to uh, support uh, open houses, nothing mm-hmm. slowed down, nothing changed except for more intensity. Wow! And then, and then the, and then of course the uh, the spin fund that lasted year or so. Uh, you can't live on things for years, but I mean, it's, it's a you know those things, those kind of sales uh, are are career changers and game changers. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's always, it's always, it's always in, in, in my targeting. It's, it's always part of my targeting is to, is to identify those and, and, and have uh, uh, a special property uh, that gets attention, like the one that I sold to uh, Floyd Mayweather six months ago. That was, that was a very quick sale, and um, and there wasn't much negotiations because he was not going to be there. Uh, and we wanted to close it. And it turns out, um, by accepting that price, uh, we, we became the only sale on that street uh, in a 12-month period. So so it was significant. You know? That's incredible. So you are... More listing, listing requests as a result of that one. So. Wow, exactly. And if, I, and if I would have negotiated too hard and we didn't get it, then nothing, there would be no story to tell here. And that's such an important lesson to remember in our business. And I think sometimes in our business, we need to, the moral on that that I'm getting and you tell me is let's stay out of our own way in this. Give our clients what they want. Right. But the, uh, what, uh, the interesting thing was the flexibility. Uh, the flexibility. I, this year I had three clients that were extremely flexible in a very difficult market and closed quickly and uh, a successful sale sometimes isn't one that someone pay, overpays for. It's, it's in a tough market. You're mm-hmm. the one that gets gets something sold. So you got to remember to be to keep flexibility in the in the eyes of your sellers because the, right now in this tough, it's still a tough market here. The sellers are now uh, we have a predominance of overpriced listings. So there's uh, work to be done with all sellers to get them to be uh, more flexible. Mm-hmm. And here's what happens. And do you have any advice on that? I mean, I think a, a big key would be listening to them and understanding them first. Um, but do you have any stories you can tell us on on situations? I think that's the biggest challenge in our industry, especially as we get into the higher price points. We've got very educated, smart um, clients who need to understand that we understand the market and how we communicate to them the importance of, of things like being flexible so that we can get the job done. Do you have any examples of stories that you could give us? Um, There's probably so many. The story I have related to that is that um, I just got a new, I just got a listing back uh, for the second time. Uh, and patience allowed me to get it back again. Uh, it was overpriced, and I told them when they were ready to call me back. And um, so they called back a couple of weeks ago, and they're going to relist the thing at a lower price. So sometimes you're never, it's, it's always hard to walk away from the listing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sometimes it's, it, it ends up being the right thing to do because they remember. They exactly. It was price. And exactly. So, so did you have the list? Around. Go ahead. That happens. You think you lost everything. Yeah. They call back. So did you have the listing, and then another agent got it, and you got it back, or did you have it? Yeah. And right. 
Wow, and that's you don't hear about that happening very often. No. And so the first thing I said was, and, and guess what? They're still not ready to put it on the market. So I brought in the landscape architect and we, we redid the art landscaping and got rid of two or three trees and made it look uh, fresh and beautiful again. Mm-hmm. So, and, they were, and they were very uh, open to do that. So now we're, we're just about ready to launch again. Oh, that's exciting. But, well, the, please let me know about it because Mark, uh, what's that? I was going to say, let me know about it because I know our market feeds your market and vice versa, and um, I could get it out in front of everybody. So I'm going to wrap. I want to wrap this up. We just we've really gotten to know you, and we're going to have another interview with you talking more in depth about events. Um, okay. Some of the things you know, the things that, that I've, we've gotten out of this are always ask for the order, keep taking risks. I just love that one. My husband might not like that one. <laughs> Because that's what I do, but I, I, it pays off every time. Um, you know, understanding people, remember the basics matter. It starts with the basics. Four open houses a week, which do what you got to do what it takes. You're associated with the houses that you represent. That's huge, really. You know, it, it, that's a message into niche marketing, and you've got to focus a niche and, and know that it's your branding. Um, and a big aha is it only takes one. It's not 20 people that you know or 100 people that you know. It's the, the few people that really are going to bring and deliver value. Value because in our business, it, it's more about depth and value than it is than it is the broad big. We're not in the we're not in the you know it's kind of like like we said the Motel Six versus the Ritz Carlton, so or the or the Walmart versus the Neiman Marcus or even better than that. And to keep flexibility in the eye of your sellers and all patience. I mean patience and integrity. I mean that's the one thing I always say about you is innovation and integrity are the two words I have that would explain that I would use to describe you Raymond. Um, tell us a little bit about your um, just a little bit about your future plans and then what's the one thing you hope our listeners take away from this interview. Um the uh my future plans, basically, uh, I have uh, my my tenure with Sotheby's has been ten years, and this uh, one Sotheby's is only eight years old. So mm-hmm. I was the COO of the previous Sotheby's. Uh, and they were acquired by one Sotheby's. So uh, ten years, ten years with the brand is um, I I feel really comfortable with the brand, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm hoping to take a, a, a more a bigger role in the, in the in the company as well, and and to focus on on waterfront properties. Um, because now with that uh, with that tenure, um, uh, it's a, the market is. Um, much more attractive to me. Exactly. It's a great time. And what's the one thing that you would want um, that you're hoping our listeners take away from this interview as far as your advice, your insight, what you have to share with the world about being a real estate agent and being one as outside of the box and successful and as amazing as you are? Um, the three things that, that kind of guide me are take risks regularly. Um, and from my father, I take several things, uh, characteristics that he gave me, and that was discipline, honor, and kindness. And those three principles kind of make me who I am as a realtor. And specifically for the future, fulfilling the dreams of my clients. So I'm always thinking of 
this is the, uh, this is one of the four or five homes they're going to have. Maybe I made it happen. So uh, wow. I'm looking to is to uh, fulfill the dream of my clients. Fulfilling dreams of anyone is so satisfying. And I just when you said fulfilling dreams of my client, I really just got the biggest smile on my face because that's just. It's so, it's just such a wonderful thing to be able to do for people. Well, Raymond, let us get, leave us with your contact information um, and the best, the best way to reach you. Um, pardon? Which, let us know your phone number and website and the best way to reach you. Oh, sure. Uh, my phone number is 305-975-4232. Anytime, 24 hours a day. And I do get calls. <laughs> 24 hours a day. Um, exactly. My email is rrbaltuc at oneserve.net, O-N-E-S-I-R.net. And my website is raymondhbaltuc.com. Great. Raymond, thank you so much. It's been, it's been a truly an honor having you. 